listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Today, today we're going to continue a series that we began last week called What Lurks Beneath. What Lurks Beneath. And last week I told you that it, it was diagnostic. Last week was diagnostic. We revealed the source of the problem, but we did not start treating the problem. Today we get to start treating the problem. And the problem is the heart. And when I say the heart, I'm not talking about the blood pumping organ that distributes blood to the body. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the center of our being. It's where our emotions and our innermost thoughts reside. And, and, and I want us to start dealing with some of these things. Jesus, he described it like this in Luke 6, 45. He said, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks and so Jesus gave us this diagnostic tool if you will that what comes out of our mouths reveals whether our hearts are sick or not whether our innermost being is is sick or not it it is determined by what comes out of our mouth Um, if you remember Genesis chapter 2, in Genesis chapter 2, God calls Adam, the first man, he caused Adam to go into a deep sleep. While Adam was sleeping, the Lord performs surgery on him, and he takes one of his ribs, and from that rib, he produces woman. He produces Eve. At the beginning of humanity, Adam and Eve, they were placed into a God-ordained marriage. Adam... Worked a little late for a few days in a row. And Eve didn't like it. He was coming home late in the evening. They're newlyweds. She didn't like it. She got upset. And she accused Adam. She said, you're running around with other women, aren't you? You're cheating on me. And Adam responded. He said, you're being unreasonable. He said, you're the only woman on earth. Who could I possibly be seeing? He said, you're the only woman. And Eve said, you know, I guess you're right. But she couldn't let it go. Can any men in the room relate with that? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She couldn't let it go. And it, and it, and it haunted her, her mind of the possibility that Adam could be seeing another woman. She just couldn't shake it. And one evening, Adam had just had enough. And, and he fell asleep, exhausted from her unmerited questions. He, he just had enough. Only to be awakened by someone poking in his side. And it was Eve. And Adam sat up really quickly and he said, what are you doing? And she says, I'm counting your ribs. (laughs) There's somebody sitting next to you that has no idea what that joke means at all. Like they have no clue. Just look at them. If they got this puzzle, look on their face. I'll explain it to you later. Okay. Jealousy. Jealousy is a weapon that Satan often uses against the human heart, against our our innermost being. Church, jealousy is one of the things that I think Satan uses very well against us, against Christians and non-Christians. I I, I think that this, this, this mental state that he gets us in sometimes using the weapon of jealousy. It it can cause spouses to become suspicious. It can cause an employee to become disgruntled. It can cause CEOs to make poor business decisions. It can cause friendships and acquaintances to be severed. Jealousy, Jealousy can cause children to act out, both young adolescent children and adult children. 
It, it can cause a small child to steal a toy that doesn't belong to them. It, it can cause a, a, a teenage girl to start a vicious rumor about a classmate. Jealousy can cause grown men to buy trucks and boats outside of their price range. Jealousy, women, why are you laughing? Because jealousy can cause some of you women to buy purses that are not in the budget. Right? Jealousy can even cause parents to live vicariously through their children. Because they want so badly what they didn't have and they want their child to have it. Or they see someone else's child with it and they so badly want that for their child. I'm telling you, jealousy is a dangerous weapon, church. And it's something that, that we have to get a grip on. We have to begin to understand why the enemy uses jealousy against us. Proverbs 14 and 30 says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Proverbs 27 and 4 says, Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. Even more dangerous. This is, this is serious business. Then James 3.16 says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So, so James tells us wherever jealousy invades, he says there's evil of every kind. And that's when you start understanding why the enemy uses it so much against God's people. Because there's not one person in this room, not one, that has not been affected by jealousy. We all deal with jealousy. We all deal with, with looking at someone else's life, wanting what they have, and, and trying to keep up with the Joneses at times. We, we all just sometimes are not satisfied with where our lives are at, and we want something that someone else has. And there are numerous examples of jealousy in the Scriptures Jealousy caused Joseph's brothers to hate him because of the favoritism that their father showed to Joseph. Jealousy caused King Saul to attempt murder against a young David simply because people were celebrating and, and women and children were singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And it allowed jealousy to set into his heart. But let's be honest, church, we have never been so envious, so jealous, that we sold our brother into slavery. Or we've never been so jealous that we threw a spear at someone's head to kill them. We've wanted to, but we didn't act on it. And that in itself is part of the Christian life. I mean, sometimes we're just going to have some thoughts and, and, and some temptation that comes our way of things we want to do, but, but maturing in our walk with Christ, it, it shows us that we can't do it. So you may want to kill somebody, but you don't, right? If they didn't say amen right there, you might be sitting next to a serial killer, just so you know. There's this one instance of jealousy in the Bible that I do feel like we can relate to. And, and I specifically picked this one because I, I feel like this is something that, that we can all relate to in a sense. And I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 29 today. Um, the one instance in the Bible that probably hits the closest to home is the story of Leah and Rachel. Leah and Rachel. Now, before we read this, what I want you to understand is that in biblical times, 
especially Old Testament, parents usually named their children according to what they were going through in the moment. So whatever life looked like for those parents in that moment is what they would name their children. If life was good, they gave, them a, they gave their child a, a joyful name. If, if a, life was a struggle, then they would give their, their child a demeaning name. They wore their, their feelings on their sleeves. And often the children would pay the price for it for the rest of their lives. They would be known as that name. Now, that doesn't sound too far-fetched for even the world that we live in today, that parents wear their feelings on their sleeves and children pay the price for it, right? I mean, we, we see it all around us. Often, parents will project their insecurities onto their children. Sometimes, They will project their jealousy, their envy onto their children. Sometimes parents will wear a victim badge and and it becomes part of their identity and they almost take pride in being the victim. And many times their child will take on the same mentality and live life through the lens of victimization. And it's sad for me when I see this being passed down from from mother to daughter or from father to son. It's tough, but in biblical times, understand that a child's name often carried with it the true feelings of the parents and what they were going through at that time. So for the rest of their life, they would be known by what their parents were going through. We see this played out in the true story of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. If, if you know this story, um, you, I, I'm, I'm going to make it brief. If you don't, just, just stay with me. We'll, I, I, I don't have time to get into the details of it. But, but Jacob worked for Laban for seven years so that he could marry his daughter, Rachel. He was smitten with, with Rachel. He wanted Rachel as his wife. And so Laban said, you work for seven years and I'll give you her hand in marriage. And it was there at the wedding, veil on her face, they get married, and when it's time to consummate the marriage, he pulls the the veil back, and it wasn't Rachel, it was her older sister, Leah. He had been tricked by Laban, and and he married uh, uh, the older sister, the one that he did not have feelings for. Uh, The the Bible says that, that, that Leah had weak eyes. We're not sure exactly what that meant. Some have suggested that maybe she had a lazy eye. I don't know. Maybe she had needed Coke bottle glasses to straighten out the vision. I don't know. We do know this. She was inferior to her sister's beauty. Genesis 29 and 17 says there was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. There was no sparkle. We know that, that Leah had no life, no energy in her eyes, there was nothing there that was attractive to, 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 to Jacob. Nothing there that was attractive to a man. It was almost as if she was lifeless. There was no sparkle in her eyes. However, her, her sister had a beautiful body and her face was lovely, inferior to her sister's beauty. On top of that, her biological clock was ticking She probably wondered sometimes... Is my younger sister going to get married before me? How am I going to deal with that? That's not the way our culture works. How, how am I going to deal with that if, if someone wants my younger sister before me? And if her dad wouldn't have gotten involved, she may have never, never been married. 
Nevertheless, Jacob agrees to work for another seven years so that he can marry the one that he loves and that he's attracted to, Rachel. And he had these sisters as his wives. It was no secret that Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. Scripture is very plain on that. I want to pick it up. Genesis 29, verse 31. It says, When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again, she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. As I told you, church, A name carried with it a lot of weight of what that mother was going through at the time. She names the first son Reuben, which means see a son. That's what Reuben means, see a son. It was almost as if Leah was telling her husband, look, 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 look. You can love me now because I gave you a son, see A son. I've given you a son. She names the second one Simeon. The second son born is named Simeon. And it's a Hebrew word for heard. Heard. God heard my prayer and gave me a son to make my husband love me. You you can see just in the names of these children her heart being poured out. She named her third son Levi. This one is probably my favorite out of all of them. It's the most interesting anyway. Because Levi literally means attached. Attached. We now have three sons together. My husband is attached to me forever. In the words of the great urban philosopher, Ye West, 18 years, 18 years. She's got one of your kids, got you for 18 years. (laughs) He is attached. We are stuck together. We have three sons together now. He can't get rid of me. He's going to have to love me. Remember now, these names stick with these kids. There was a family from New York City that bought a a ranch out west, and they were intending to become cattlemen. They were going to raise cattle. And when their city friends visited with them and inquired about the ranch's name, the, the, the new rancher, he replied, he said, I wanted to name it the Bar J. He said, my wife wants to name it, or wanted to name it, Susie Q. He said, my son wanted to name it the Flying W, and my daughter the Lazy Y. He said, so, we're calling the ranch the Bar J, Susie Q, Flying W, Lazy Y. The friend said, wow, that's, that's a long name. He said, but I'm looking around. Where are all your cattle? To which he replied, none survived the branding. Church, I'm afraid that if we're not careful, our children are not going to survive the branding. Because of envy and jealousy in our hearts, 
and what we're trying to project onto our children, they're not going to survive the branding. You have to be careful what you are putting on them, what you are placing on them, and how you're teaching them, and how you're raising them. Because if, if you're not careful, we are branding them with something they cannot live up to. But there's so much victory and healing. In the last verse of chapter 29 of our, ta- of our text today, uh, it's, it's, it's verse 35. And I want you to pay close attention to this because this ver- verse speaks volumes. It says, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. It's almost like she got it finally. It's like finally on on this birth she understands her worth and who she is in God. It's almost as if Leah comes to this understanding that, that, that she doesn't have to live life pleasing her husband or, or pleasing society or trying to live up to society's standards. And she says, this time, no, this time I will praise the Lord. And I'm calling him Judah, which means praise. And then she ceased bearing. It was like she didn't have anything else left to prove. After she comes to grips with who she is in God, she doesn't have to play the game anymore. She doesn't have to be jealous anymore. She doesn't have to fight envy anymore. This time, she understands who she is in God. And I just wonder, church, what will happen in our lives if we will begin to see our worth in who we are in Christ Jesus, that we operate and we flow under his mercy and his grace, and we stop trying to live up to the standards of society. We stop trying to keep up with everyone else. We stop looking at everyone else with contempt because they have something or they have a life that we don't have, but we just begin to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. Finally, she gave birth to Judah. Praise. This time, I will praise the Lord. Forget about what my husband says about me. I am valuable and I will praise God. And it's amazing because God uses this child. It would be that son that would redeem Israel. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come from the bloodline of Judah. Satan, though, he's, he's an expert offender when it comes to jealousy. If you remember, jealousy is what got him kicked out of heaven. You remember? He was the worship leader of heaven. And he became jealous of the praise that was aimed at God. He, he was there simply to reflect the glory of God and lead heaven in the choruses of praise to God. But jealousy sets in. He becomes envious of that praise. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14 gives us a little insight on this. And it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, 
I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. You see, jealousy set in in, in, in Lucifer's heart and Satan's heart. And, and he wanted to be God. And jealousy is the reason why Satan and a third of the angels were kicked out of heaven. So why wouldn't he use that as a weapon against our lives? And I'm telling you, every day of our lives, we are having to deal with this. Whether we admit it or not, we are constantly dealing with envy and with jealousy. Because jealousy begins when I, I think that I deserve something that I don't have. That's where it starts. It begins when we think that we deserve something that we are not currently obtaining. It's so destructive to our lives that God included it in the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17. He, he said, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. He said, stop looking at everybody else's life and wanting what they have. Stop being jealous. Stop being envious. Stop coveting everything about everybody else and just become satisfied with who you are in me. Jealousy, church, it's accompanied with this sense of entitlement. I want, I must have, and, and here's where it really gets us, because this is, this is what he uses to deceive us. I deserve. Let me tell you, at the moment that you start saying that, you're in trouble. Jealousy has invaded your innermost being. Jealousy has invaded your heart. When you start using the words, I deserve. I deserve the raise. I deserve the promote. It may be so, but let me tell you, the entitlement that comes with that, if you're not careful, it's going to take root. and It's going to turn into envy and jealousy. I deserve a better marriage. I deserve what she's not giving me. I deserve what he's not giving me. Jealousy is rooted in what we don't have and are longing for it. Think about how Satan got into the hearts of Adam and Eve. He convinced them that they could be like God if they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did God tell you you couldn't eat from that? He did. Surely you won't die when you eat from that. God just doesn't want you to know what he knows. And when you eat from that tree, you're going to have the knowledge of good and evil. Church, I don't know about you, but I'm not good having the knowledge of good and evil. Can you imagine what life would be like for us if we did not have the knowledge of good and evil? How innocent life would be? How innocent our hearts and our minds would be if we did not know what God knows about good and evil? We, we could have walked this planet not judging, not blaming, not feeling guilt, the way God intended for us to live. But, but now we are constantly having to deal with the emotions of everything that we know about good and evil. And he convinced them, don't you want to know? 
what God knows? Don't you want to be like God? Because he knew what happened to him when he wanted to be like God. And it's just a trap for our souls is what it is, church. And he said, you, you deserve this. You need to know. Surely you won't die. You need to know what God knows. And they wanted to be someone that God didn't create them to be. James, the brother of Jesus, he said this about jealousy in James 3, verses 14 and 15. He said, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. As innocent as it seems to just, to just covet, to just long for, to desire, James said it's that jealousy he said, it's demonic. Of course it's demonic. It was birthed in Satan. And he uses this against the human race, constantly trying to get us to live up to other standards and to desire what other people have that we don't have. And when we live life affected by jealousy, are we condemning the life that God has trusted us with? Are we saying, God, I don't trust your plan, or God, I don't trust your timing? It's one thing, church, to long for that newer and bigger home. But it's completely different to despise someone for the blessings that's on their family and on their house. It is one thing to desire friendships. We should. But it's completely different to hate someone because they have the friendships that we don't have. It's one thing to hope and pray for a child, but it is completely different to hate someone because they were able to conceive and you haven't. It's tough, it's hard, it's disappointing. But through this, we've got to keep our hearts pure. And, and, and what are we saying to God when we are not satisfied with where he has us? It doesn't mean that we stop praying. It doesn't mean that we don't stop striving. It doesn't mean that we just lay down and we don't try to succeed in life. But what it does mean is that God, no matter where you have me in life, I still trust you with my life. I trust you, God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm content with where you have me. And if you choose to bless me that way, I'll praise you for it. But God, if you never bless me again, I'm still content with where you have me. About 14 years ago, some of you have heard this story, but I feel like I need to tell it again. But 14 years ago, the denomination that I'm licensed with they sent a young couple to, to DCC to glean, to learn how to church plant. Our church was a, a couple of years old. And they sent this couple. And have you ever met people, like, like right off the bat, first impression, you're like, nope, you're not the ones. You're, you're not going to cut it. I had that feeling, but I needed to be faithful to the process. They put them in an apartment in Alachua. And we even talked about possibly planting a church in Alachua. And... They were supposed to be, you know, just observing, taking notes, working with us, serving with us for a period of time. But every time I turned around, he wasn't there. A horrible work ethic. Never, never there. And it, it troubled me, and, and I, but I was trying to be gracious. It wasn't my decision. It was just, hey, invest in this guy, invest in this young couple, and, and just teach them the ropes, you know, and, 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 and we're going to help them plant a church. Okay, okay, I'm, I can stay faithful to that. But, but man, I'm telling you, we, we were a portable church at the time. And, and so setting up and tearing down every week. 
He, he was never there to help us set up. And let me tell you, and you can, you can ask our staff, that, that wasn't something I assigned. I went in every Friday evening with, with our staff, and, and I would set up that stage, set up the sound equipment, the lights, video. It was, it was our cross to bear, and, and I got us in this mess. I'm going to help us. We're going to get through this. And one day, this couple just disappears. They abandoned the apartment that was rented for them, left the denomination holding the price tag on that. They, they just up and left, just, just like vanished. About a year later, I saw on social media. Now, let me pause there just for a moment. We'll pick this story back up after this commercial break. But let me, let me talk to you about social media just for a moment. You do know that's, that's the biggest part of our problem right now is social media. Listen, I'm on it. I, I get it. But we are constantly looking at these well-polished lives on social media and we're wanting what they have because that's all that people usually post on social media. There's two types of people. They, either, they post all the great stuff and that's it or there's people that play the victim and all they post is the bad stuff. And both are dangerous. I, I know some of you, I know, I know you, you look at my family and, and you think, man, they've just, you know, they're just thriving. They've got it all together and stuff because we're not airing out our dirty laundry on social media, but I'm going to let you in on a secret. And some of you may not come back. I don't know. But we fight. Like, Mandy and I argue. It, I love her. She loves me. But we are two totally different people living under one roof for the past 26 years. 27 years. And we will fight this afternoon. <laughs> 27 years. We look on social media and we see these, these perfect families, beautiful homes, the new Jeep Gladiator. And we want it so very badly, don't we? Well, I looked on social media a year later. And this, this guy had been assigned to a church, beautiful facility, like state-of-the-art, modern. If you could pick that building up and put it on this property, man, it would have put us so far ahead of the game. And immediately, jealousy, envy set up in my heart. And I prayed, and I said, God... I don't understand why you're doing this. He's lazy. He wouldn't show up for work. I tried my best to invest in him, and, and he, he, he took it for granted. But God, I'm here every week, Sundays and Wednesdays, setting up and tearing down portable church just so that we can meet together. I stayed in the mully grubs for a while over that. Envious over what God gave him and didn't give to me. And what God was doing in his life had nothing to do with my life. But it was an injustice against me. God, you're not fair. Let me let you in on a secret. He is just, but he's not fair. 
you're serving a God who in the end all things will be justified, okay? But he doesn't operate in fairness. What he blesses one with, he may not bless the other one with. It rains on the just and the unjust. And sometimes it's just not part of God's plan. And it was not part of God's plan. We were portable for 11 and a half years. My jealousy was 13 years ago. Little did I know. It was probably more of the enemy setting that kid up than anything else. Because he walked into a situation that it was, it was lose-lose. That church, beautiful facility, but it had gone through a split. People in town hated that church. It was a mess, and he didn't last there very long. And I'm thinking, thank you, God, that you didn't send me to that church. But what God needed to do inside of Rocky's heart was to teach him to let go of that jealousy and that envy and be content with where he has me. And I'm letting you know right now, church, I'm content with where God has me. He's been faithful. He has been faithful. My God has been faithful. Time and time again, he has proven himself faithful. And there's something about the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into something like this that you know that you have been able to witness God's miraculous hand working time and time again to bless this church and continues to bless this church. And there is no other place on the planet I would rather be pastoring than right here in Newberry, Florida. I promise you that. God had to work on Rocky. We live our lives battling envy. Jealousy. God, why not me? And I can't answer for God because I, I know sometimes delay is not denial. It's just not right now. Sometimes it's no. That's not what I have for you. But if we will just learn to be content with where God has us, God, no matter what, I still trust you. You may not give what I want to me, but I trust you. I trust you. I may not receive my healing this side of glory. I know that's not your will, but, but Lord, I know, I know that I can trust you. Lord, I may not get what I want here, now, but I still trust you. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Lord, look deep into our hearts right now at the envy, at the jealousy, God, we need to be purged. We need to be purged. The things that are impure within our hearts that the enemy is using to distract us, that he's using to discourage us. God, we need to be emptied of all of the impurities. As the psalmist said, Lord, search my heart. Know my thoughts, Lord.
Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for not trusting you. We know that every good and perfect gift comes down from you, Lord. Help me to trust you, Lord. Help me to be content. Come on, in your own way, would you just pray that to him right now? Come on, however you feel comfortable, just pray that to him. Say, Lord, help me to trust you. Help me, Lord, to be content with wherever you have me. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.